It all started with the Pet Shop Boys and uh, an episode on their album Super back in 2018. Uh, we're here uh, in the first of a hopefully reasonably long series of um, discussions about um, significant albums, albums we love, albums everybody loves. This is six months, isn't it, since we've been um, working together professionally. Yes, our relationship has blossomed professionally. 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 Happy birthday to Trap by Track. We've been doing this without stopping for a year now. Hello, this is Neil Tennant from the Pet Shop Boys. Welcome to the 100th edition of Track by Track. Happy second anniversary. Happy anniversary and happy birthday all rolled into one. I think we wanted to start off with the Pet Shop Boys. 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 Yes. We have talked about them a lot on Track by Track. You might not know who the Pet Shop Boys are. Can you imagine? Why are you listening to this podcast if you don't know who the Pet Shop Boys are? It's Neil Tennant and Chris Lowe. What a pair. <laughs> you said that before. <laughs> They've really had their finger in many different um, artists. That sounds, it sounds a bit... Um, in, in the nicest, most professional way possible. Oh, so we're going straight in with the spot, are we? Uh, and hopefully you've taken some oral pleasure from us over the last however many months. So it's all come full circle. Is this our last hurrah? This is it. This is it. Yes, the rumours are true. And also that's probably the tenth time I've made that joke. <laughs> Hello, you're listening to Track by Track with me, Dan. And me, Will. This is the music podcast where we take a great pop music album and break it down track by track. Can you believe, did you think two years ago when we started talking about pop music and breaking down albums track by track, we'd be doing it two years later? Yes, it had a hit written all over it, Dan. Uh, and do you think we'll be doing it in another two years? Yes, it's got the real longevity factor about it, Dan. Hmm, sounds like you're trying to sell it, Will. No, I'm just, uh, I just want to sort of... Just get straight to the point this week. Stating facts. Uh, but no, we've had a lot of laughs. We've had some tears as well over yeah, the years. God, yeah. Awful arguments over the years, actually, as well. Physical fights, actually. Physical fights. Uh, the police got called once. Uh, you got arrested twice. Yes. <laughs> uh, and once wasn't for fighting. It was for indecent exposure. And yes, we've certainly had a lot to drink over the years as well. Yeah. When the doctor asks you how many units you've had per week, do you just discount any recording drinks yeah it uh, doesn't count uh, similarly to anything you eat whilst we're recording as well it doesn't count yes so which... two units a week uh now we should say of course that the the bunting is still up there's still sparkles all over the floor from our 100th episode just a few weeks ago so and you can't get that glitter off your face for love no money well you did put it on there with super glue <laughs> No, I know it's we, we've got a second celebration quite soon after uh, the big 100th album. And to be honest, I'm still recovering from oh, that. from the editing of the episode. Yeah, <laughs> it was a bloody nightmare. <laughs> but uh, Dan, I'm pleased to say you're editing this one. Yes, I am. So it's going to be a much more simple affair. Just you and I. Well, 30 minutes. Maybe a little bit more. Anything coming? Anything to look forward to? Well, um, do hold your breath, Will. That's all I'll say. 
Stock up on your breathing right now. And uh, we should say as well, uh, this is a milestone episode for us. Uh, so, of course, we're talking about Pet Shop Boys. Yes, I can't believe we haven't said this yet. On the turntable this week, it's Nightlife by Pet Shop Boys. I think we probably say this every time we announce a Pet Shop Boys album, but what an album. Uh, what a different album. If we take behaviour uh, as in a case in point, this is a very different, it's more of a concept album around dance, uh, dance music, different types of dance music, different producers. We'll talk about all of this as we go on. But again, uh, it's that's the beauty of the Pet Shop Boys, isn't it? And the beauty of the Pet Shop Boys, well, supposing someone has just stumbled upon this episode and it's their first listen to Track by Track and they've never heard of Pet Shop Boys, who the hell are they? Oh, I knew this question was going to come up again. So Pet Shop Boys are a synth-pop duo formed in London. The group got together in London. I'm not saying they were from London. They got together in London and the band was formed in London. Is there a reason why you're emphasising that so much? Uh, no, no reason. Uh, Neil Tennant and Chris Lowe um, obviously were big fans. And if you listen to this podcast for more than five minutes or five episodes, you'll know uh, we're big fans. It was the inspiration for Track by Track when they started doing uh, Track by Track commentaries for select albums on Spotify uh, with the uh, actor and alleged comedian David Williams. <laughs> and we wanted to carry that on and do it for l- pop music in general. And we've been doing it for two years now. Hundreds of episodes uh, under our wings now. And obviously our new music drop every Saturday. And also occasionally on Fridays, we go track by track through new releases with the artists themselves. More to come on that. Absolutely. Uh, into our, as we go into our second year or third year. Third. Third yeah. year. So yeah, you mentioned that we started it all with Pet Shop Boys. Can you name well, all the albums from the Pet Shop Boys that we've given the track by track treatment to? Yes. So that no that no yes I can name them also yes was one of the albums <laughs> that we've done we've done yes we've done please we've done behavior we've done the close to heaven soundtrack we've done super we've done electric so this makes it our including the closest to heaven this makes it our seventh if I counted that right I have had a drink already even though it's eight a.m. on day of recording it's a celebration uh, we that's just standard I just had a books fizz I didn't oh. have the orange juice. <laughs> A fizz. Yeah. The fizz? The f- not a, a, a fizz. Oh, right. So, and big thank you again to everyone that gave shared feedback from that 100th album episode um, and all of the new followers that, we've, that we have that I'm sure you'll be joining us again today. Welcome again. We don't always talk about the Pet Shop Boys, but we have talked about them a lot recently. Yeah. So, before we get stuck into the album proper... Uh, Dan, who is, uh, personnel-wise, I know you're in the detail with this, who's on board? So this is a great album because when we talked about behaviour, there was one producer on the album, Harold Faltermeyer. This time, we have got a trio of just incredible musicians and producers, but each from quite different fields as well. So we've got Craig Armstrong, we've got Rollo, and we've got David Morales, um, all of whom I'm sure you've heard of from with various other things. Uh, and if we're lucky, maybe oh. we might hear from some of them later. However, Will, I can let you know, let's, let's start off with a treat, shall we? Uh, Craig Armstrong, at the time of recording, he is in the studio just putting the finishing touches to his new album. So he couldn't record anything for us, but he did want to contribute and sent us a little note. So today, 
playing the part of Craig Armstrong is the one and only Dan Ball. It was a real pleasure to work with Neil and Chris during this period. I had only really produced my own album, The Space Between Us, which is why I think they asked me to work with them as they liked the production. The album started off more electronic, but as things developed, it became much more orchestral, which is possibly why some of these songs came to feature in their musical. We drafted in some great players for the album. We had Ali McLeod, who played guitar on You Only Tell Me You Love Me When You're Drunk. Kylie Minogue came into Sam West, and we had great fun working on In Denial. At around the same time, I was starting work on Moulin Rouge, directed by Baz Luhrmann, and I'd meet Kylie again soon after in Australia, dressed up as a green fairy. Note, I don't know if Craig means he was dressed up as a green fairy or Kylie was. I better check on those facts. Yes, I am the green fairy. I think In Denial is for me the most successful fusion on the album of my kind of aesthetic and the Pet Shop Boys artistry. We also worked with BJ Cole, which was fantastic, and the brilliant programming of both Stephen Hilton and Richard Norris. Neil and Chris were very open to trying something new, so I think for a lot of people, it maybe didn't sound like a conventional Pet Shop Boys album, but I know as time has passed, there are a lot of people who have enjoyed it. To be honest, a lot of it felt like having a bit of a party, many great nights out and inspiring musical journeys. They were also kind enough to come up to my then very old basement studio in Glasgow. I've always been a huge Pet Shop Boys fan from the early records right up to what they're doing now with the experimental theatre shows. My favourite track is Suburbia. So thank you very much to Craig there. I have to say for me, Craig Armstrong, one of my, we talked about him, he did the Melanie C, uh, some tracks on the Melanie C album, but he also did some of the score for Love Actually. And just kind of in the background, you might be able to hear that iconic uh, Glasgow love theme, which always gets me right in the feels. And just a word on the album itself, Nightlife, released in October 1999. Wow. This was uh, recorded over over a period of a few years. And this was while uh, the Pet Shop Boys were writing music and working with Jonathan Harvey. Uh, Hi, Jonathan. Um, Hi. I know he's a listener. Uh, and they had so much material that this, this is where the seeds of this album came from. And as we'll go on to talk about, a number of tracks from this album also found their way into... Closer to Heaven. Closer musical. To heaven. Actually, yeah, we could save ourselves some time. We could just go back to the episode where we did the score and just cut out what we said about the songs and stick them in. What do you think? Oh, that would be a great... Do you know what? I need to get off soon, actually. So uh a train, haven't you? So, yeah, I've got to get my train. So that's a good idea. Yeah. Cut and paste. Cut and shut. Oh, lovely. Under promise and under deliver. <laughs> Our new mantra for track by track is when good enough is. <laughs> so lots to talk about in the album. We'll talk more about the contributors, uh, the inspirations, the things that came from it and the performance and what other people had to say about it as we get into the episode. But can you tell I'm building up to something now, Dan? Yes. Let's get stuck in. Side one, track one. For your own good. So that's for your own good. Well, what a completely new sound for the Pet Shop Boys. Oh, I love this. It's got a real frenetic, clubby feel to it. Uh, so Rollo is here, um, and that and he's bringing that epic, 
club sound, which he is famed for, whether it's him, whether it's part of Faithless, whether it's under the moniker of the OT Quartet. Uh, these are all things he's been involved with. Yeah. Uh, but very distinctive sound. I love just how epic it is. And I think it really suits the, the lyrics as well. Yeah. For your own good, call me tonight. Definitely. I think it's a very, it's very uh, faithful to that faithless sound. Um, but it's a perfect marriage of, you <laughs> grunted then, as I said that, I didn't even mean for it to be a pun. Um, it's a perfect marriage of, of them and Pet Shop Boys. But I was thinking I'd actually love, because of course this wasn't a single, uh, and therefore there's no remixes of this, but I'd love to hear an even more oh, faithless, heavy version a of A long, this. a lovely long length. Yes, definitely. And we've got to talk as well about those wonderful uh, female vocals on that track, which are a huge part of it. They come from Pauline Taylor, and Pauline is Faithless's primary uh, female vocalist. So you, again, it's just bringing in those elements of Faithless onto a Pet Shop Boys song. So what a great start to the album, and it really is uh, putting a massive stake in the ground for how different this album is going to be. Did you like how I said they've really set their stall out in a different way? That's new for year two? Year three? Yeah. It's all me in year three. Ah, that's lovely. So, should we move on to track two? Yes. Track two, not the title track of the album, but a title track from the musical Closer to Heaven. So that was Close to Heaven there. That was the first one produced by, co-produced by Craig Armstrong and Pet Shop Boys, but also the title track from the musical Closer to Heaven. Worth pointing out as well that we have seen the musical, haven't we? We saw it two years ago, was it now? It wasn't that long ago. No, it was a year ago, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and it was revived at the Above the Stag Theatre, so, um, which was a, a kind of lifelong dream for me to actually see that musical uh in actually performed and very enjoyable really really thoroughly enjoyed it didn't know what to expect in fact i remember we went into it well i went into it sorry thinking it was going to be a jukebox musical so it was it was a complete surprise because i knew that tracks like closer to heaven of course were used in it and i knew that were i'd heard the pet shop boys versions but uh yeah it was a nice surprise and uh, of course as we said before we've done the whole album so do look out for that episode as well but will the pet shop boys version of closer to heaven what do you think? Uh, a bit of a harder beat to it than than what is featured in the in the musical itself, uh, and I prefer. I love this version. I think I enjoy these full studio Pet Shop Boys productions of the tracks that were featured in the musical, just because you've got Chris singing, you've got the the full production welly behind it as well. Uh, in the musical itself, this was. Uh, a kind of theme that kind of came up. It was the second track that was performed. It was it was shung it was shung by um, <laughs> Sean Connery. Uh, <laughs> Money Uh It was sung by the characters Shell and Vic. If I remember rightly, that's the father and the daughter characters at yes. the start. But then it's repri- it has a reprisal 
I do I do enjoy reprisals. Yeah, and you like saying the word as well, don't yeah. you? Yeah. It's like no, you look. enjoy patty. <laughs> yes. A nice meaty patty. <laughs> Uh, and then it had it was it had a reprisal further on where it was sung by Dave and Lee, who were the two uh, male members that get very close to each other in one particular scene, definitely. <laughs> uh, but I just love this track. I I love the it's I, I kind of I think I'm going to overuse this phrase here because I talked before about the perfect marriage of. Faith, the Faithless Sound and Petra Boy Sound. But this, of course, is a real marriage of an orchestral sound, which, of course, Craig Armstrong is known for. But then you've got the, like you said, very heavy dance beats, which Petra Boys are moving more towards. Uh, and particularly, I think what, what really melds it together is the vocoded vocals. Um, this has, for a long time, been one of my favourite Petra Boys songs because there's something, I think there's something quite unique about it. Um, at the same time, it's very Petra Boys, but there's just something... It stands out to me from the rest of their singles discography. Uh, Dan, I just want to uh, uh, close the loop on you, your comment about you thinking or uh, expecting it to be a, a jukebox musical because you didn't know about what it was about. Mm. Um, that was exactly what the Pet Shop Boys did not want to do. Just to repeat, they did not want to do that. Do not come in and see a jukebox musical. Uh, because, you know, I love the fact they're so creative, aren't they? That they wanted to do a musical and write original songs. And I think they found a great partnership in uh, writer Jonathan Harvey, who has uh, he's a great series of novels. He's also written uh, for Soap. Yeah, Harry. Um, Corrie. Uh, he wrote the series Beautiful Sitcom Beautiful People, mm-hmm. which was, did you ever watch it? No, I haven't seen that. Fantastic. It, it, you've recommended it a while ago, so it is something I definitely do want to watch. Um, uh, Olivia Coleman is in it, and she oh. is phenomenal. But it was before she was as big as she is now, and she is brilliant because she's really flexing more of her comedy chops. She's just fantastic. Anything Olivia Coleman is in, whether it is on the comedy side of things or like Broadchurch, she is just one of my favourite actresses. I think she's a lot of people's, hence the Oscar. And just Olivia Coleman delivering Jonathan Harvey's writing is is a dream. Uh, also, similarly for Kathy Burke and oh. James Dreyfus in Gimme, 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 uh, which was another another thing that was his brainchild. Hilarious. Yeah, very much so. Still funny to watch. Also, he wrote the beautiful coming out play beautiful thing which then became a film uh and has been and has come back again a number of times over the years as well also he wrote a lesser known uh play about a group of people coming together to watch eurovision called boom bang a bang oh which was at the wonderful bush theater have you ever been into the bush (laughs) not for a long long time actually (laughs) It's a fantastic space. Yeah, quite for, small for performance. Quite small, an uh, and it does get quite warm in there as well. I wonder if they can socially distance. Do you know what? I'd like to think this kind of uh, <laughs> clever innuendo is just the sort of thing that Jonathan himself would enjoy. I think he would love it. I say clever innuendo. It's uh, quite simple and quite smutty, quite cheap. Anyway, I've gone off on a massive tangent then, but I just think it's worth taking a moment to talk about Jonathan Harvey and his body of work. You're listening to the Jonathan Harvey podcast. This has been a paid promotion. (laughs) 
Just before we move on, actually, well, I want to just correct myself because I know the, I don't want the Pet Shop Boys fans down my throat as well. I think I just insinuated that Closer to Heaven was a single. Sometimes I do get it mixed up in my head that it was a single because it's so well known and because it is, of course, a title from the play. It wasn't a single, actually. So I just want to get that out there. I do know that. Track three. And this is what the boy from the chip shop finally said to you after all of those awkward encounters. Uh, yeah. I don't know what you want, but I can't give it anymore. Did you think it was wrong? Do you find that it's worse than it was? Has it gone too long? Do you mind that it hurts me? I'm just to save time, Dan. I'm just going to abbreviate the title. So that was I D K W Y W B I C G I A M. That seemed quite a lot longer. That's like WWW for World Wide Web. <laughs> Much longer. So that was I don't know what you want, but I can't give it any. I've just said it anyway. It's, anyway, so it flows. Yes, that's why the Pet Shop Boys wrote it like that. That it, Dan is that the longest Pet Shop Boys song title. I have just done a very short amount of research, and I think it might be 13 words long. Of course, we've got another, quite another lengthy title coming up, but I think that one just about does it. So get, prepare your mouth uh, to get your tongue round it, Dan. Doing my, I'm doing my warm-ups as we, as we speak. Um, and no use of brackets either. I quite like that. Some people would have put, I don't know what you want, bracket, but I can't give it anymore, or something like that. Mm. No, the full thing. I do distinctly remember when this came out, that was the kind of the thing that I noticed about this song and how long the title was and how now looking back, it's just very Pet Shop Boys. So this is the first appearance of David Morales uh, on the co-produce for this as well. And I think this is another different type of dance music. I would almost call this like a progressive house beat um, underscoring this track. And I love the juxtaposition. Got that in for two years. Yep. Uh, of Neil's uh, vocals and lyrics with that beat. I think it's a lovely pairing and not one we've really seen before up, up to this point. Definitely. I mean, I, I was listening to this album, obviously doing our research as we always do, despite the fact, of course, we know uh, Pet Shop Boys' body of work very well. And I do, for some reason today, keep saying the Pet Shop Boys. Again, apologies. It's just the, the nerves and the butterflies I always get talking about their albums because uh, they mean a lot to me. Oh, uh, Dan. I really do. Choked up. Yeah, sorry. And this, when I was listening to this song, I was thinking, well, it's it's a ballad, really, isn't it? This is, this is very much a ballad. But then I thought, but no, of course, it's very much a dance track. It's very much with, with David Morales' iconic uh, production on there. Um, it's very much a dance track. And, and I came to the conclusion, well, of course, it is very much a dance ballad. And you don't get a lot of dance ballads, do you? If anyone could do a dance ballad, it's these two. Mm. Well, these three these with three. Morale, Morales on the, on the mix. And just in case anyone didn't know who David Morales is, we've said before, he is a DJ, he's a producer, he's had some iconic dance hits. Um, and also David has remixed just so, so, so many people uh, that we love. Other tracks for Pet Shop Boys, including How Can You Expect to Be Taken Seriously, which of course we talked about on the Behaviour episode, but also Spice Girls, U2, Britney Spears, Mariah, Madonna, Ace of Bass, literally so many of uh, people that we've 
talked about on Track by Track so far and that we're going to be talking about as well. So, Will, how would you like to hear from David Morales on his experience of working with Pet Shop Boys? I'd, I'd be delighted. Let's have a little listen. You know, my first introduction to working with the Pet Shop Boys was when I mixed, I mixed a couple of records. I mixed So Hard, uh, When the Streets Have No Name. And So Hard was a really big, one of the big remixes that people really liked from my career. So when both Neil and Chris uh, invited me to collaborate with them on their album, I was really um, honored and, you know, and I, was, and I was really surprised because, you know, they could have worked with anybody. And I was relatively young at that time. Um, you know, working with them was such a pleasure. I mean, when we worked on Don't Know What You Want, it's like the one thing I learned from both Neil and Chris is that they were intelligent songwriters and they really taught me a lot about songwriting. That was the biggest lesson I got out of working with both Neil and Chris. Well, there we go. David, thank you. Dan. Oh, uh, yes, David, thank you. Will. Dan, so thank you. And <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're welcome, Will. Uh, so this was uh, the lead single uh, released, and it got to number 15 in the UK singles chart. Uh, maybe it was the change of sound that created a bit of a schism um, from what they were used to in some of their success. I mean, number 15 is still top 20, so we're not going to be too sniffy about that. No. But this did come l- fully loaded with B-sides of plenty. So as well as Morales mix, remixing and lengthening the track, you also had two B-side new tracks called Silver Age and Screaming. And also you had a cover of Je t'aime-moi non plus. Those French lessons really have paid for themselves. I had... Uh, Jean-Francois was very supportive. Oh, lovely. Uh, He took me under his wing in his French tongue. (laughs) Uh, So this was, yeah, this is a cover of a song uh, from 1967, originally written by Serge Gainsbourg and Brigitte Bardot. We're not going to play it, though, so go go and listen to it yourself. Do your own bloody homework. Yeah, we're not going to play it, but it's worth... And I do... I love the fact that Pet Shop Boys aren't scared of a cover version, you know, despite the fact that they are... They, they have written and continue to write some of the most iconic synth-pop songs ever. Quite often, they do like to put their own spin on things, like, of course, Always On My Mind, Go West, uh, even kind of more recently with um, I Started a Joke, one of the B-sides from the... Elysium era. Uh, Dan, I know we don't do this normally, but the single artwork for this track is, this because this was a single, it was the lead single from the album, is fantastic because it's the Pet Shop Boys. They've got a couple of wonderful hairdos about them with mm. sunglasses on, but they've also got big coats, uh, big trousers, uh, and a couple of dogs there as well. It's, it is a real... Uh, I was going to say it's a real piece of work. I didn't mean that in a negative way. It really You're is a... a real piece of work. Oh, thank you very much. That's very kind. It's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. Um, but it is, it's an iconic shoot. I'd, and I'd love to have this kind of this print framed. So if you're looking for oh. a gift for my upcoming 
Christmas. Everyone's for your upcoming Christmas. Christmas. I know you love Christmas, but to take full ownership of it is, uh, is really something. Well, Henry VIII abolished it, and I'm just going to claim it as my own. So, Not that I'm likening myself to Henry VIII. <laughs> <laughs> Although I can't eat a whole chicken in four seconds. That's why the boy from the chip shop um, can't take it anymore. Oh no, can't give it to you anymore. Mm, well... Let's move on now. Uh, thank you, Dan. Thank you, David. Uh, let's move on now to track number four, which is Happiness is an Option. Happiness is an option there, as I keep telling you, Will. And Neil said about this track, it's a simple message about one's ability to create the circumstances in which personal happiness will thrive. And he goes on to say, a stream of consciousness monologue and autobiographical references. It, it definitely, you can tell, can't you, from just the whole feel of this track, that this is a Pet Shop Boys only track on the album none of the other three producers uh producing this one or you know adding to the uh, songwriting it is Pet Shop Boys only and and with that idea of the stream of consciousness with I think also with Neil's uh, vocal delivery that more subdued whisper well it's a bit of a rap actually isn't it it could be a rap actually yeah because I think this definitely feels a bit more kind of R&B dance than other tracks on this album. Yeah. Again, a very different dance sound. It's very, yeah, you mentioned R&B, and yeah, it is, the bass is very prominent throughout. There's also uh, a sample from some work by George Clinton on mm. here as well. Something that stands out to me on this one is the backing vocals. Uh, they come from Sylvia Mason James. We haven't spoken about Sylvia before. I hope we do again. I'm sure we will. Uh, she has recorded tracks with the likes of Chicane and Freemasons. Uh, she's toured with Pet Shop Boys and done some iconic performances with them. Everything from Glastonbury in 2000, which of course was the year after this album came out, um, and Live 8. And she has also done work with some icons, including Robbie Williams, Cher, and Adam Rickett. Oh, wonderful. Which one would you say wonderful to? I wonder if he was shirtless at the time. Hopefully. Let's move on. Yes. Track number five now. And Dan, mm? you only tell me you love me when you're drunk. Or high. really love the ending of that song. It comes to quite a sudden da-da-da, like a 60s sort of thing or something. This, uh, if you're wondering, this was based on personal experience Neil shared oh. around the time. Well, I and I actually do, I like the theme of this song because I actually took it as more of a, um, 
you know, like when you're with your friends, this is probably yours on holiday, actually, Will, um, when you're drunk with your friends and you do tell them that you love them more, you're more, people are just more open to say things. I remember a very good friend of mine uh, used to always tell, whenever we were drunk together, always put his arm around me and did say, oh, I love you, I really love you. And he said, you're going to be the best man at my wedding. And I did go to his wedding a couple of years ago and I wasn't the best man. <laughs> So uh, that was me, listeners. <laughs> no, I'm, doing, I'm joking. I'm joking. But you shouldn't. You shouldn't have to be drunk to tell someone you love them. So, Will, what do you think of this song? Dan, I just want to say something first, actually. Yeah. No, it's not that. No. I, just, just for, before we go away on holiday. Yeah. Please don't say something you can't take back. <laughs> so, nice or nasty? <laughs> just, either way. If you want nasty, I'll give you nasty. <laughs> And I love this song, and I do love the kind of pace of it. There's some great strings in the track as well. Uh, this was at one point slated to be in the actual final soundtrack for Close to Heaven. Ah, no, I didn't know that, but I've always felt, since seeing it, I've always felt this feels like it should be on in there. So uh, that's good to know. And it thank was... you for doing research on our behalf. Uh, you're welcome. Um, and thank you for saying thank you. Well. It was meant to be the club owner. I remember the kind of dark, seedy club owner. Yeah. Um, he was meant to have a rough boyfriend in the uh, in the plot, but they dropped it. Oh. Uh, and that, this was going to be the song that kind of framed that relationship. It, yeah, I could see it working in there. Well, you know, with the extra character and whatnot. Um, but I respect their decision to take it out as well. Uh, there's a great B-side on this uh, on the single release but we're not going to talk about that now so this was the final single to be released third and final single to be released from this album and it got it was in the top 10 it got to number 8 oh wonderful which the other two singles before didn't do interesting why do you think oh actually I've got a theory but let me ask you well, why do you think this one did so well uh, I don't know Dan what's your theory <laughs> it was released on the 3rd of January and um sale single sales in that week because of the you know the christmas new year time are notoriously very low and i do remember actually um steps released it's the way you make me feel with the hopes of getting a number one they released in the first week of the year um, not their strongest not their strongest but I, I, I do actually very much like that song um it didn't get to number one because at one of the stores woolies or something like that started selling it early so they didn't get all the sales they needed Oh, no wonder it went down the pan. Yeah. Couldn't do anything right. Well, it was a lovely number two. Quite a solid track. Satisfying. Uh, track number six now. This is Vampires. So that was Vampires. Of course, this is another track that featured in the musical Closer to Heaven. For me, Will, I think this is the track that most sounds like it was made for the musical. I can remember it was very much uh, the club owner character sung this song and he was kind of in the depths of despair and all sorts of things going on around him. And s similarly, I think 
of what I read, Neil said that this was about seeing a friend in the club doing ketamine. Oh. Uh, and I guess the thoughts that it inspired within himself. And I have to say, when we saw the show, uh, the, the actor playing this role did give, he gave it everything, didn't he, for this performance. You could practically see the blood veins bursting in his forehead. He was, he was not, he was giving 100%. Shame he wasn't the best singer in the world. <laughs> well, you know, are you an actor? Are you a singer? Are you 50-50? He was a great actor. He was very good. Mm. Um, very committed to the role. Yes. This is another Craig Armstrong production. I think you can really tell that with the strings in this one. They're mm. absolutely glorious. And they're complemented beautifully by some of the backing vocals from some old friends of the podcast, Will, the lovely Tessa Niles and Carol Kenyon. As a couple of lovely vampiresses. Yes. Looking to sire their next victims. Vixens. Vixens. Track seven now, this is Radiophonic. Radiophonic there. Will, do you even need me to say which of the three producers is on that track? It's Rollo, isn't it? It's Rollo. And I like that he's bringing, uh, he's bringing his sound to this, but unlike uh, the opening track, this doesn't feel like, for me anyway, it doesn't feel like it could have been uh, a Faithless track or could have been worked into a Faithless track. It feels very much like an experimental Pet Shop Boys album track. Uh, it's just, it's much sort of heavier, sort of more high energy dance. Mm. than anything that's gone before. And I like the fact that it's not at all similar to the other, so far, Rollo track on the album as well. It's, again, another spin on dance music as well. I love the word radiophonic. Do you know what it makes me think of? Schizophonic by Jerry Halliwell. No. Oh. Um, eh, eh. It reminds me of uh, the BBC Radiophonic Workshop. Oh, yes. Do you know that about that? Is that, am I right in thinking it's um, like an educational thing from the BBC is that right no it used to it used to provide produce music and sounds for like BBC shows oh yes 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 I'm with you like an in-house facility I don't I'm sure all of that is um independent now yeah uh it's a great word it's a great song it's a great album track as well and it's the perfect track I think to have mid-album yeah definitely uh that opening that kind kind of kind of quite tranquil opening where Neil's singing in the end. I feel like that's been used by them somewhere else. I can't quite put my finger on it, do you know? No, Dan, I didn't know the answer when you asked me when the track was playing, so I don't know why you're asking me on record now. Well, I just thought you might have had a moment to ponder over it. I would love to know, listeners, if you know, Neil and Chris, Rollo, if you're listening, do let us know at Track by Track UK. Track number eight now, this is the only one. I wonder if the 
A great time to look at the fantastic artwork on this album. And this is one of my favourite album covers from the Pet Shop Boys, actually. It is... Uh, they both, it's, it's the two lads. They've got their sunglasses and their dyed hair and their suits on. They're clearly going for a night out because it's night time and they're travelling on public transport. They're on a train or a tube. They're clearly going somewhere. And I think the blur on that gives you a bit of energy the fact that they're on a journey somewhere and then you've got nightlife uh, across the middle of them in a really striking red font as well it's a great image it's a wonderful image as always it's an I- iconic image um, and they worked as they often do with faro design uh, on this cover and the kind of concept i suppose for all of the artwork um, but yeah it's it's great that it's that nightlife font watch will what do you think of nightlife I like the font. Yeah? Yeah. Quite industrial. Well, futuristic. I'd actually agree with you this time. A right, well, bit medieval as <laughs> well. well. I'm not sure it's... <laughs> not really. I like as well how it complements the orange or the uh, strawberry blonde of their wigs as well. I'm sure... I think it's dyed hair, actually, Dan. Really? Hmm. Oh. But it is fantastic. And also there's orange in the seating as well, which leads me to think it's not the... London Underground, perhaps something in Berlin, maybe, or uh, even up in Newcastle. And just to add, the, the design and the appearance um, was in collaboration with Theatre Des- Theater designer yeah. uh, Ian McNeil. How about the song itself, Will? It's a ballad. Oh, they are wigs. They're wigs. Oh, Wig alert. Right. <laughs> Wig watch. Wig watch. <laughs> a new regular part of Track by Track. And next week we are doing Cher, so expect lots. <laughs> we're doing a showgirl. To- oh, no, no don't get excited, listeners. We're not doing Cher next week. Uh, the song itself, Will? It's not my favourite on the album, but I do like the production in there. The electronic production is a lot more subtle. We were saying while the track played, I had an inkling this was going to be your album artwork choice because it is the most ballad-like track on the album, arguably. Yeah. Um, and we were saying, though, there's, even though it's the least favourite, there's no Pet Shop Boys songs that we can really say we dislike because there's something about what they create together that even if it's not our favourite, there's things to love in there. And and this one, I think, it's it's the production working with Craig Armstrong again. Um, and it's just sometimes Neil's voice on... On a ballad, just uh, something about it that's so smooth mm. um, and very, very, very unique as well. How to say though, with this song, Will, I do love there's three producers working on this album, and I do love how it can go from producer to producer and still feel like a very much a cohesive uh, piece of work. And also, very, it, it doesn't feel jarred going from Rollo to this and then back to Rollo afterwards. Uh, and we're flip-flopping back again now to Rollo uh, for no, uh, number nine, which is Boy Strange. See Boy Strange as an example of youth So close to the truth But still far away Any such a strange boy, no, 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 no
Boy Strange there, Dan. So the thing that really strikes me about this one, Will, is if you would have asked me which producer had worked on this song, my instant reaction would have been Craig Armstrong. And as you said before, it's not Craig Armstrong. This is a Rollo-produced track. How different for him. I think it's. I think I really like it, which might surprise you, but I like the fact it's a bit more stripped back, mm. a bit slower, because I'm loving the lyrics in this. And Neil said in an interview that um, it may sound gay, but the inspiration was two girls I know whose lives have been put, have been ruined by picking up men who are gorgeous, who then want, went on to f up their lives. Mm. Why Did- would you inflict him on you? Did Neil say F up? Have you, have you censored that? I've, I've censored that. Ah, very good, Will. Because the bleep machine's in for a service. <laughs> but likewise, it's, uh, it's not one of the obvious Pet Shop Boys songs that I love, but it's, there's something about it that, in hindsight, it doesn't feel like one of the Craig Armstrong produced tracks. There's something about the percussion, the drums, the guitar on this one that actually isn't very Craig Armstrong. And I do love this idea that Rollo himself is experimenting with this track. I think we should move on, though. Let's move on. I think we've got some some really good stuff coming up as well. This next one we have got as In Denial. Less drugs and drinking More cigarettes and Denial there featuring the lovely Kylie Minogue. Friend of the podcast. So you you say that about everyone that you want to be friends with. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Kylie Minogue, Pet Shop Boys, on track by track. It's... What a combination. It's beautiful, isn't it? And I love as well, just looking into this track, the idea that um, this album came out in 1999. Kylie wasn't the pop icon she is today she'd had of course those early huge albums there was as we like to call the indie wilderness years and wonderful years in wonder- my book absolutely wonderful years and i can't wait for us to talk about them actually um but when she was approached to record this song she didn't even have a record label this was just before she signed to parlophone to release light years and of when course it all blew up blew off again the rest blew up, blew up again sorry <laughs> The rest, as they say, is history. Um, but thank you, thank you, Neil and Chris, for asking and persisting to get Kylie on this because I love her performance on this. It's so her vocal delivery is so it's is in keeping with I think those oh it's indie so times. yeah it's in keeping with that but it's also it's so it's quite knowing it's quite yeah something it, warm about mm. it. It's it almost it, it almost it's almost appropriate that a pop star who's also an actress does this because I think you need that about you as well. Uh, now this was uh, featured in Close to Heaven, and this was a song sung alternately by the nightclub, the shady nightclub owner and his daughter uh, about his denials. Yeah, um, and 
Also, actually, this wasn't the last time that Kylie would go on to collaborate with a male synth-pop duo. Hertz. Oh, yes. <laughs> you could see the cogs ticking there. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what's really, really weird about that is that I was listening to that song only yesterday. Oh, dear. I listened to the whole album. Silly me. You had a vacant look on your face. I just knew I had to jump in. Yeah, it was the right thing to do. Uh, and, of course, Neil and Chris had written a song for Kylie before this as well from her 1994 subtitled album, and the track was Falling. I love, Will, I love the choir on this song. The, the choir are Metro Voices. It adds just something even more grandiose, I think. For a stripped-back Pet Shop Boys song, it just brings that element of, I suppose, theatrics. Um, and of course, it is once again Craig Armstrong, uh, as he mentioned in what we read out before, him working with Carly on this one as well. Um, I think it's lyrically. Lyrically. It's not one of my favourite songs because it is. it does feel quite specific to the musical, but the actual production and the delivery of this song, there's something so atmospheric and meaningful. I, I really, really, really love it. Track number 11 now. Uh, this is a big one. Oh. Suits you. Uh, New York City Boy. You feel the day is real. You're a New York City boy. So young, so rough. It's a New York City. New York City boy. You'll never have a bored day. Because you're a New York City boy. Dan, is that the campest thing the Pet Shop Boys have ever, ever done? It's certainly in the top three, along with, I think, Go West and Love is a Bourgeois Construct. Oh, yeah. They're quite, they do do camp quite frequently, actually. Camp but... and grandiose. Yes. And you've got both with, in buckets on that track there. Clearly inspired by the village people. Yep. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, it's, it's so much fun, isn't it? It is. This is one of the... This is the song that I remember hearing first from this era of Pet Shop Boys. And the reason I heard it is because my dad loved this song uh, and he would play it quite a lot. But it's just, it's, it's difficult to not want to get up and dance to this one. The beat, the production, of course, uh, coming from uh, David Morales and also the string arrangements from Vincent Montana Jr., who is uh, an iconic, uh, well, he's been called the godfather of disco because of his string work on tracks from the likes of the OJs, the Tramps, the Stylistics, those real classic 1970s acts. So actually, before we go anywhere, should we hear a bit from David on, uh, on the track and working with Vincent? Yes. When we did New York City Boys, I was kind of like, like a disco kind of thing. Um, I bought in uh, Vince Montana Jr., which was a really um, like like a legend. You know, he was the Soul Orchestra, part of the whole Philly International, uh, you know, evolution. And he was a brilliant, um, you know, uh, with strings and orchestration. And I had the pleasure of inviting him and having him arrange strings on Pet Shop Boys. And I was really happy with, oh my God, for me, it was like, I'm working with the Pet Shop Boys and I have Vince Montana Jr. 
arranging my orchestration. And that was great to hear because it's probably uh, one of the most significant things he's been involved with, I'd imagine, because it was a huge... I mean, it wasn't the biggest hit in the UK, but it's still an iconic Pet Shop Boys track, isn't it? It's Yeah, it's iconic. And I was just reminded, actually, that when we saw the Inner Sanctum shows, didn't we? Although Opera House, which were phenomenal. And this was on the set list from there and just featured on the live recording of Inner Sanctum. And the video for this was... Um, in featured in the video, this was the infamous uh, Studio 54 nightclub as well. Legendary. Oh, we have to go there, Will. When we go to New York, we've got a trip booked, haven't we? Well, pre-planned. Well, it's verbal, verbal agreement, so it's as good as, as, good as booked. <laughs> um, but definitely, if you enjoy your camp, uh, the remixes on this, uh, Thunderpuss and Almighty, as well as some more Morales remixes on there as well. Very, not with Morales, I'm not saying he's of his time, but with Almighty and Thunderpuss, very of that time. Mm. Uh, this was number 14 in the UK singles charts, so it was only that third single yeah. uh, that got into the top 10. It surprises me. This feels like a huge Pet Shop Boys hit, but I think it definitely is a fan favourite. Just uh, talking of uh, New York, uh, that seems quite vague. Do, 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 do. No? <laughs> That's when we do Frank Sinatra next week. Oh, I've said too much. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was in New York earlier this year, just before, thankfully, just before the pandemic. Oh, can you? I know. Um, I travel more than Judith Chalmers. <laughs> and I've got just as many wraparound skirts as well. Uh, I'm sorry, there's a whole portion of our listeners that have no idea who Judith Chalmers is. Uh, Wikipedia. Um, I specifically went to... Specifically? <laughs> where 7th Avenue meets Broadway and did a little Insta story with this song playing. Um, because that's the kind of person I am, Will. And also, just on the subject, I also went to... Uh, 45 between 6 and Broadway because it's referenced in a Duran Duran song and did a video from there as well. The whole reason really I went to New York was for those two moments. Then you got the f- next flight back, didn't you, after you'd been there? Yeah, it's a 24-hour trip. Day trip. Uh, track number 12 now. We're on to the last track of the album no proper. Way. Yeah, it's a shame. I'm really enjoying this today. Uh, so thank goodness. <laughs> Much more than usual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank goodness there's further listening still to come. Um, so don't... Don't change your dial, listeners. Um, track number 12 now. This is Footsteps. Footsteps there, the last track, Footsteps in the Dark. Mm, that's a nice closer, isn't it? Quite dramatic close, isn't it? I guess they were in that dramatic frame of mind, weren't they? Working on Closer to Heaven. This, of course, wasn't one of the tracks featured on there. Maybe it was, you know, initially planned to be, who knows? Um, but it does a wonderful job of, I think, closing the collection, bringing it, kind of winding it down, but not in a too much of a, a slow, morose ballad way. There are some wonderful extra vocals on this track, which I love. Is that a choir I can hear in there, Dan? Once again, it's the lovely sound of Metro Voices 
who appeared on In Denial. I, I love the sound that they're bringing to this. Uh, and also, Will, you'll be very pleased to know, once again, we're hearing from the lovely Tessa Niles and Carol Kenyon. Oh, good. It's almost like we... Do we talk about them too much now? Uh, Tessa has certainly been in quite a few episodes, but I'm, I'm fine with that. Mm. And producing this one, the final track, once again, Craig Armstrong. Uh, well, and it's a great way to end the album, actually. Also, one word, sitar. We don't often say that word on track by track. No, because we haven't done uh, Corner Shop yet. <laughs> Not just yet, but are they on the long list? so a brief word about the album performance and reception before we get into some further listening and actually it was very very averagely reviewed so can't believe for example enemy gave it four out of ten rolling stone gave it yeah well don't let's not go there again Mm. uh rolling stone gave it three out of five better and if i had to give it an overall rating out of ten i think it would have probably got Six out of ten, just and about. As a, a fellow Pet Shop Boys fan, Will, what would you give this album out of ten? I think I'd give it a solid seven out of ten. Oh, so I was going to say eight. Oh, very generous. Yeah, I'm very generous. In some respects. Further listening time now. So, Dan, uh, we for Pet Shop Boys, we always stick within this album period as there are always a wealth of remixes and b-sides to choose from within each album campaign so dan bearing that in mind what would you like to share with the group psb fans anonymous um i would love to share a track that was written for the close to heaven musical that initially closed the show but didn't in the revival performances that we saw but you introduced it to me and i think we've played it on the podcast actually uh, last year during the Closer to Heaven episode, but it has since become a real favourite Pet Shop Boys song of mine. So let's hear a little bit of Positive Role Model. role model there well i don't even need to ask you what you think of that one do i i like i love it it's brilliant isn't it it is i do think it is one of my all-time favorite pet shop boys songs it's just the combination of them and of course the classic sample from uh, barry white it's it's disco dance heaven isn't it just and i i felt robbed when it wasn't the final song when we went to see the revival of close to heaven uh, because I was expecting it and I wanted it. Yes. And you didn't get it? No. And you're not used to that, are you? No. No. It was it was swapped for vocal, which is, again, one of our favourite Pet Shop Boys songs. But in all honesty, I would have preferred Positive Role Model. Mm, absolutely. Will, what have you got up your sleeve? So I have gone from a B-side, the aforementioned B-side from earlier. And this is very notable because it is... Uh, the vocals on this are from Chris Lowe. Oh. This is Lies. Lies. Liar. Liar. 
rare treat there, Dan. A bit of Chris. And I really like it. As you, you know, he's not he's not belting out some opera, is he? It's 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 probably what you would expect from a Chris vocal, but I re- I really like it. It's it's uh, I'd say his vocal adds an atmospheric element to the track rather than overpowering it. Uh, apparently, he was really pissed off uh, oh. when he wrote this track because someone had been deceitful. Oh. Um, so hence the lyrics: If you think you're going to get away with this, think again and take a walk. Was it to Neil? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> sorry, sorry, Neil and Chris. That's very rude of me. Uh, but musically, musically, I love the kind of Eurodance flavour to this as well. Yeah. And because it's a B-side, it can take a little bit longer to get going as well, can't it? Yeah. This of his vocal as well. It's it's produced and it's got a little bit of uh, effects on there, but it doesn't sound too unlike Neil's vocal. Had he had the same treatment as well, I'm sure Neil wouldn't mind me saying that. Okay, that's your choice. Free choice. <laughs> I'm free. <laughs> We're out of time. Oh, two years in. Will, how does it feel to talk about Pet Shop Boys again? Great, but I'm shattered. Yeah. It's always a real romp, isn't it? We always do... We go on a lot more about Pet Shop Boys, but they are the inspiration for the podcast, like you said, right at the start. And I've been loving going back through nightlife. I can't... What are we going to do next? Don't say anything. No, to say any more would be to give it away. However, all I will say is they released a stunning album at the beginning of this year. And in a few months, we'll be talking about our albums of the year. That's all I'm going to say on the matter, Will. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> you've said too much. As usual. Uh, but And if you've enjoyed uh, Pet Shop Boys Nightlife, if you've enjoyed our two years of Track by Track, it'd be great to hear what you think on our social media channels at Track by Track UK. Yes, and do... Please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating and a review. Or only positive, only positive role models, please. Please. And Dan, can you give us a hint of a tease as to what's coming up next? So next week, we are celebrating the 20th anniversary of an album from the Queen of Pop. I'll just say that, Well, That's probably given too much away. And we're going to be joined by a very special guest as well. So until next time, I've been Neil Tennant. And I've been Chris Lowe. Goodbye. Goodbye. So, we're on to some further... What? Our performance. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, before thought, we... After two years, you might have uh, had some sort of idea of how the podcast works. Uh... Is everything okay there? Yeah. <laughs> You're saying I'm brown-nosing. Is that a no. sign language for that? I'm just, I'm, do you know what? I don't know what's going on. I just wondered how on the League of Gentlemen they got their noses. <laughs> and the takeaway is on its way as we speak. Well, it's only eight o'clock in the morning. The takeaway is on the way as we speak. Oh, curry. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. There's nothing like a heavy meal to start the day. It's the most important meal of the day. I actually do my meals backwards. So I start off with a nice big chicken Kiev and a jacket potato. What, stick them out your ass and then <laughs> stick them out your mouth. Well, I thought we were going to be serious this episode. Sorry, sorry, sorry. And we got straight into the backside.
be greedier than usual. I did have my greedy years, actually, back in the... Uh, no, I don't even want to do that. I don't want to get off that wrong foot. Well, <laughs> 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 let's start again. I don't, want to, I don't want to go straight into talking about my sex life or sex toys. Oh, I thought you were talking about overeating. Oh, no, I was on about... Uh, uh, anyway. <laughs> They'll fuck you and stake you. Oh, that sounds like heaven. It's going to be a great episode. I hope. <laughs> That's the bit at the beginning. <laughs> I do hope so.